This is My First Concert, a show about people's first concerts, fans to entertainers to concert security. Had some great stories from them to music promotion personnel who make it possible to meet the groups or individuals. We've had some wacky stories on those, music producers, and of course, musicians. My First Concert with Dave Lee is available on Apple, Spotify, TalkNorth.com, or really any place you get your podcast. But it's been a fun and educational start to look at this world of music, which so many of us remember fondly. Well, today in this show, brought to you by StarBank.net, family-owned by Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone. We welcome Jill Schlesinger. I remember not really knowing why it smelled so funny in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I was like, that is such a weird smell. An award-winning business analyst for CBS News. She's on CBS Radio and TV. I know you've seen her nationwide. Uh, she writes nationally syndicated column, Jill on Money. She has a podcast as well, very popular, Jill on Money. Jill's also authored a book, and I remember this well, The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money. And she is nice enough to join us on today's edition of My First Concert. Jill, how are you? I am so great. Thank you for inviting me to come on. This is so much fun to talk about this. Well, frankly, I miss you a lot. So I'm glad that you had the time to in your very busy schedule. My goodness. Uh, we see you on CBS. We hear you on the radio. We hear you on the podcast. Are you writing another book? I am, as a matter of fact. It's called The Great Money Reset. And we are going to send in that last version. I think I have my, I have like one more run through where, you know, you always catch a last typo or 12. And uh, so it's going to be published January of 2023. Awesome. Well, you're a woman of many interests. Mm. Uh, and I want to ask you about music. I want to see if you can recall the title of this show is called My First Concert. What was your first concert, Jill? Do you remember? I do remember, like it is so clear to me, I went to see Fleetwood Mac with my friend Leslie Cannold, um, and we saw Fleetwood Mac at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And um, kind of the funny thing about that is this was, you know, not rumors. I think it must have been, um, I'm trying to think year-wise. It was probably... Um, there was an album out that was after Tusk. Maybe it was right after Tusk because I'm pretty sure that we were maybe freshmen or sophomores in high school. Um, my dad drove us in. Her dad picked us up and we were not allowed to go on public transportation by ourselves. And it was great. It was totally a blast. I remember it. I remember not really knowing why it smelled so funny in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I was like, that is such a weird smell. We were very, you know, dopey suburban kids, but it was wonderful. And I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan, but I do have to disclose something. That was the first concert I was ever attending alone. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you want to guess the concert that predates Fleetwood Mac by, I don't know, a few years when my parents took us, maybe because they couldn't get a babysitter one night, but... My sister and I were probably still in grade school, maybe junior high, and she was early high school. Do you want to kind of guess what era we're talking about and what concert they took us to? Or do you want me to just no. blow, your, blow your shorts off right now? <laughs> I want to guess. Okay, go for it. Madonna. No. My parents were not that cool. <laughs> my, you know, my parents were born in the late 1930s. Oh, boy. Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, gosh. I wish they were that cool. Keep going. <laughs> One more shot. Uh, uh, I'm going with um, Tom Jones. Oh, that's closer. Uh, my dad did love Tom Jones. Are you ready for this? Hang I on. I don't think so, but go ahead. Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You couldn't dig that up, my friend. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm actually on the uh, Stephen Edie website, <laughs> the official website of Stephen Edie. Uh, anyway, they were sort of like um, American songbook crooners. Oh, yeah. And I will say that um, in our family, there was a love of music and it started with Broadway musicals and it continued with sort of the American songbook. My dad was a huge Ella Fitzgerald, Barbara Streisand, Frank Sinatra. Th those were kind of his favorites. But he did he did evolve. 
I remember we took him to a George Benson concert oh. once. He loved that. He loved that. So uh, I have many great memories of listening to eight track tapes in my father's Toyota Celica. And then you'd have to wait for the music to switch over on occasion, right? Yes. And of course, you also have to wait for the um, to you pull the, the, the eight track out and it's like the old reel to reels that we had in radio and you wait for it to get caught and, you know, and then curse and <laughs> sort of wind it back in with your finger and, you know, like that. But I, but, you know, Fleetwood Mac sounds cooler, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. But, you know, Steve Lawrence was a pretty cool guy when you, we used to see him on The Tonight Show. Yeah, he he had a big reputation. I mean, I don't think that's anything we shared with our friends that we did that. I don't think that that was something that we really wanted to. And, you know, I have to say that it's also interesting because, you know, concerts were always around in, you know, the New York area. Oh, yeah. And you always had a few different choices. So um, the fact that Fleetwood Mac was the first one, I feel very fortunate because I think that is kind of a cool one. I, I mean, I always have felt that Fleetwood Mac doesn't really get it. It's due as a group like in the pantheon of really amazing groups, but they've lasted in some format for decades. And I think that just the history and their and and frankly, their ability to withstand lots of breakups, you know, everyone's sleeping with everyone in this band. They break up. They write a great song. This is like the this is how they roll. Yeah, I read Mick Fleetwood's book. I think you'd really enjoy it. He's a kooky dude. Um, <laughs> now, I also remember at this concert, there was a, you remember the album Tusk? I don't yeah, know if you recall that. I sure do. And um, it, for kids, if you're listening to this, this is really a fun album because the version of the song Tusk was the um, the marching band from USC. Yep. And I remember when we saw the concert, it wasn't the USC marching band, but there was a marching band on the stage with about 30 people. It was amazing. Yep. Like the drum solo is phenomenal. I wonder if it wasn't Mirage, the album after that, when you went to that concert. It might have been. Hold Me was a big I hit. looked it up. It's, it goes Rumors, Tusk, and then Mirage. Okay. Yeah, I think it was probably Mirage, which wasn't great. Let's be no. honest. It's not like they're great ones. But there's <laughs> one good song on that, which I believe is Gypsy. Yes, I yeah. totally agree um, with that. That's that's the only that's the only song on there. Um, but now, once I got my little taste of that apple of going to a concert, yep. then things really ratcheted up. Okay, first of all, my parents became cooler. They took us. You know, the only good thing is that if you have parents take, you have good seats. You're not in the nosebleed section. Yeah, that's right. So we we went to see Billy Joel in the 80s, a couple times with my parents. And how they was he, by the way? Fantastic. Never but seen you him. Know what? It, he, it is so worth seeing him. He is amazing still. I mean, he can't sing as well, like none of them can. But, you know, it's just, he still can play the piano. It's great. Can I tell you some other funny concerts? Yeah, you can, as a matter of fact. Hang on a minute, uh, Jill, because I want to uh, say something about one of our sponsors. And then I want you to relay that story. I wanted to mention, too, that when you mentioned George Benson... I was a, a, a young, irresponsible man in my teens, and we saw George Benson at the Midnight Special out in Los Angeles. He hosted it with Van Morrison, and you did, oh. mentioned your dad loved Ella Fitzgerald. Well, then he probably loved Etta James. She was there. Well, wow. I, I helped her on stage, and the security quickly threw me to the concrete floor. <laughs> um, but she came over and thanked me anyway, so that was kind of my brush with greatness. Fabulous. But I want to hear your story here in just a second. I do want to mention one of our sponsors, and it's a great day. It is a great day when you find a business that you have to have, like a bank, and when you call them, they actually have a real human answering the phone. The reason StarBank is successful is how they treat and respect their customers. But even though we all want that face-to-face meeting, this day, this age doesn't really allow that always. So they're always ready technologically. For example, I know they have a fantastic mobile app. It's up to you how you want to do it. I still kind of like that contact. In fact, I think about football season, we're going to be talking about quarterbacks calling audibles. And I would say if you need a bank that has that kind of agility to adjust to a situation, maybe an ever-changing situation, they do that too. They know your name. They've served the ag community in so many ways through the years. And if you follow that world, you've seen the technological advances in ag. I know that from a kid who used to sit on a tractor with nothing on it to ones now that pretty much drive themselves. But they serve us here in the metro as well. Wonderful family culture. Katie, Andy, Harry, that entire staff. 
not only do they know your name, I'm telling you, you're going to quickly know their names as well. In fact, it's the bank of talknorth.com. High service at Star Bank. So I would go to starbank.net, get more information, member FDIC, and equal housing lender too, by the way. Jill Schlesinger, you've seen her on CBS television, you've probably heard her podcast, you've heard her on the radio, and she is with us from New York City today on the podcast, whatever time you're listening. Okay, Jill, next concert story. Uh, I went in, so my sister's three and a half years older than I am. I have the most wonderful sister in the world, and she would take me to every concert that she went with her friends too. And so I got to participate in that. So you know what it is when you have an older sibling, you just sort of fall in love with whatever they're listening to, right? Yep. They're hip. My sister went into a very big Bruce Springsteen stage, uh, Mm. like enormous. And she dated a guy, George Stone was his name. And George was a, just a banana head about Bruce. (laughs) And so, um, What happened was we realized, you know, this was the old days where you'd line up for tickets and you try to get tickets. And um, what George realized was that if you go to one of these weird ticket outlets that's like kind of outside of the city, a little bit um, in a sketchier neighborhood where maybe people didn't want to wake up really early and get in line, he would get tickets. So I will tell you that in the um, around the tour of um, Nebraska, which must have been like the early '80s, which was a little bit of a different kind of a Bruce Springsteen yeah, album, yeah, sure was right. So we went to see that, but then um, "Born in the USA" came out, and we did go to see Bruce Springsteen in concert five different times in that same tour. Wow. And uh, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. So I, you know, we did a lot of Bruce um, fandom. Again, I think I was a little bit more familiar with what the funny smell was in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> At that point. <laughs> Did kind of get that part down. And I listen, I think that what's so cool about a lot of these shows is that, you know, we're, we're talking post-COVID and it really does kind of harken back to a time where, you know, you just did everything live. Um, Live music was amazing. It was a way to connect. It wasn't as, you know, I'm going to sound like an old fart now, wasn't as expensive as it is now. Well, look at the Springsteen tickets right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's only five grand. It seems like a bargain, (laughs) Um, you know, and it was, it was kind of this fun and innocent time. And we had, um, we, do you have, I, I don't know if you, have any satellite radio channels, but if you, if any of you, anyone listening, if you have those satellite channels that are, you know, kind of like your old time rock and roll. And then, you know, that you'll hear some of the DJs that came out of New York city. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And so like we had this woman, Carol Miller, who would talk with, as the Bruce Springsteen concert was on, she'd come on the air and she'd tell you what they just played. And then Mm. she'd play that, that song on the radio. And then they, at the end of the concert, they'd play his entire set of what he actually had played as, you know, as, as just like a fun way to go home and listen to every single song you just heard in the concert. It was amazing. I remember when Tina Turner was here and she, at the time, Tina Turner was like, you know, wow. I mean, to get to see her in concert, which was huge. And and they had it here at the Target Center, if I remember right, I think. Anyway, I believe MTV on the day or VH1 when they were still doing videos and that sort of thing, uh, simulcast like the first three songs. And I was just, just captivated watching that. Mm. Um, Should I tell you about my probably unique, (laughs) unbelievable experience of a lifetime? You have to now. Okay. It's 1994. I am not living in New York City at the time. I'm living in New England. And I'm running my own financial planning and investment management firm. And um, I get a phone call from my father. And he says to me, I got to tell you a great story. And I'm going to just say, calm down before I tell you the (laughs) punchline. Let me just tell you the story. So I said, okay. He says, well, you know, I was out with uh, two other couples. Mom and I are out for dinner. And one of the couples, they're saying how their son is a concert promoter and involved tangentially with 
uh, Barbara Streisand's concert in 1994, which was like her first live concert in 50 years or something, mm-hmm. whatever, 30 years, let's say. And I'm a huge Barbara Streisand fan. So you can do Bruce Springsteen, you can do Barbara Streisand, you can do Fleetwood Mac. This is what I love about music. You do a million things. So I said, oh, I wish I could go to that concert. They had sold out in five seconds. And he says, okay, so the guy, the other guy in the couple is telling the story. And he says, um, well, you know, these tickets, you know, the, the face value of a ticket in 1994 was $300 a ticket. And this guy says to my father, can you imagine what idiot would pay $300 to see Barbara Streisand? It sells out in five seconds. My father says, I know one of those idiots. <laughs> my daughter would pay $300 and happily do so. And he said, in fact, my father had said to me, because he, my father had looked into tickets to try to scalp them for us sure. because we were like, let's, we wanted to go. And what he's a great like, dad. Yeah, he's like, but it was ridiculous, like $1,000 a ticket in 1994. Yeah. Okay, so that's literally like $4,000 today. And so he said, I, you know, and the guy said, well, maybe I'll see if my son can get her tickets. And so he calls, he literally gets up from the restaurant, goes to a payphone, calls his son. The son's like, oh, yeah, I can get her tickets. But she has to pay face value. For the tickets, and I only have the three hundred. I don't have the hundred fifty dollar tickets. I only have the expensive ones. So my father pays the guy on the spot. He goes, "Here's for two tickets, okay?" And now at the end of this conversation, I'm squealing, I'm shrieking, I can't believe it. Okay, <laughs> so we go to this concert. We have no. You have to understand that Barbara Streisand takes over Madison Square Garden. Do you know what she does at the garden? She carpets the floor. Well, of course, yeah, Barbara Streisand. Exactly. Because they want the perfect acoustics, right? Mm -hmm. She has about a 25-piece orchestra conducted by Marvin Hamlish, very famous composer. And um, we're walking in and, and, you know, I'm familiar with Madison Square Garden. So I'm like, I don't understand. Where's this entrance? Where are we? Where are these tickets? So I know that they were good tickets. So we walk onto the floor. And you have to go through a lot of security. Now we're walking up and we're on the floor and we're walking forward, forward, forward. And we're into, there's probably four sections of the floor. So you keep walking, we keep walking, we keep walking. I can't even tell you what I was saying because it's not fit for a family podcast like this. (laughs) I said, oh my mm, God. And we were in the sixth row. Guess who's right in front of me? Just like for fun. Let me just tell you, Liza Minnelli. Sitting right in front of you. Yeah, sitting next to Madeline Albright. Oh, just fan, just fans, <laughs> just regular, the people you like to kind of hang with. Yeah, totally. So wow. that may have been the single most unbelievable concert experience of my life. Probably not to be matched. Oh, plus your favorite singer. I mean, I'm in the tank for Babs. <laughs> love her. I love her. I did see her once. My wife desperately wanted to see her. And I and? actually got four tickets, and a friend of mine who's, uh, whose wife was very much like you, that was her all-time, all-time. And when I called to say, you're going with us, his wife couldn't talk. She was crying the whole time. <laughs> and I thought, she really doesn't want to go with me, does she? <laughs> All right, I have a question for you. What is the concert that would surprise me that you, or even surprised yourself, that you really enjoyed? Like, you went, you weren't that into it, and then you were like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Okay, I got a couple of those. Okay. And you're going to laugh at me. Um, so I go to see um, Adele when she I was- I can't believe you're going to say that. I said I have the same one on my list. So, uh, but I don't really care if I go. Mm-hmm. And this was her first show here. I think she did it here in the Twin Cities at the XL. And a friend of mine called and said, hey, you want to go see Adele? And I said, No. And my wife's overhearing it and says, uh, yes, he does. I said, no, I don't. Yeah, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went. And I went, uh, I didn't go with a bad attitude, but, I, you know, I, 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 I like her. I like all music. You weren't a fan yet. Yeah, so I was, yeah. I mean, I wasn't. So anyway, I said, okay, we'll go. So I go there and I see a, 
a, a friend of mine standing outside on, on one of the suites, and he's out there uh, having a, a drink and everybody else in the suite. Now, he looked like a guy that really didn't want to be there. And I said, hey, Jake. I said, <laughs> I said, you got roped into this too? And he goes, oh, no, man. She's like the greatest. I couldn't wait to see her. And I thought, well, I got I to gotta change my attitude. So we walked in and saw her. And I got to be honest, uh, afterwards, I, I was hoping I could call her and say, let's go to happy hour. Because she had that kind of charisma. She just, mm-hmm. I love the way she talked. I love the way she handled the crowd. And obviously, she's got so much talent. So I knew, I didn't, I mean, I thought it'd be good. I didn't kind of realize that she would kind of uh, embrace me. And, and I didn't want to let go of that, that embrace, you know? I mean, I had a very similar Adele experience, which is a friend of mine works at American Express. And American Express has, you know, these phenomenal box seats at every arena in the universe. And she says, come, come to Adele. And I was like, oh, I said, you know, I'm not the hugest Adele fan. I didn't know her that well. And I said, Mm -hmm. I'd hate to take it away from someone else who's a huge fan, Uh you know. And and so my friend Denise is like, you know what? I want you to come. You're going to love her. And we uh, we went. She blew me away. Yeah. I mean, it was like she. Apps, I agree. Personality, voice, presence on the stage. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. I, I, I really adored that. I just think uh, of all the people, like, I would, I'd just love to sit. I'd love her. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to sit with her and you mm-hmm. in a bar in New York City and shoot the breeze for about three hours. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. It could get us in trouble. I think the <laughs> which, end of those three hours could be interesting. Which is exactly why I want to do it. But I did, when I went to see Dave Matthews' band, I like Dave Matthews, but when I saw his band in concert, I love Dave Matthews. Oh, he's a great concert. Yeah, absolutely. But now, here's another one I'll throw at you. So uh, we went to an amphitheater show, and uh, it was Boss Gags. I like Boss Gags, but I don't, you know, I don't know... If at the time that I was all like, you know, that I would want to pay a lot of money to go see Boss Gags. Mm-hmm. And the guy was unbelievable. He was, he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Obviously he's talented uh, vocally, but holy smokes, was he good. You got the low, 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 low down on Boss Gags? I did, Jojo. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, I went, uh, you know, when you have like good friend, you're, you're lucky and I'm lucky because we have access to a lot of this stuff. Correct. You know, so I understand that um, we Anthony Mason, the great correspondent of CBS News, does a ton of of uh, concert and music um, stories. He's fantastic. And I don't know, maybe five years ago, he said to me, oh, I've, I have some tickets to see Bonnie Raitt at the Beacon. I'm like, oh, my God, I love Bonnie Raitt. I've seen her a zillion times. It's great. And he said, you're going to, this is a special show. Um, She's going to sing with Mavis Staples. Oh my goodness. I didn't really, I mean, I knew the Staples singers. I'd never seen them any, any concert. That blew me away. I mean, when you go to a concert and it's a Bonnie Ray concert and she's the least interesting part of the concert, (laughs) it's, it was, oh my gosh. And it was, um, you know, sometimes going to a smaller venue, is kind of cool. Well, what about an experience where you saw a great band before they got big? What? Give it to me. What do you got? Chris Stapleton. Oh, look at you. Didn't know who he was. And then I met him, talked to him. He played. The guy, this guy's really good. And then the next thing I know, he's the guy. Oh, my gosh. So that's one. How about you? Um, when I was in college in Providence, Rhode Island, we saw I was there was this group that was in like the next college over from us called Rhode Island school of design called the talking heads. Oh. And we saw them a couple of times. That was kind of great. I remember a friend of mine in college he was uh, part of his job in college was booking bands for some local shows. I think it was that uh, U of Arizona. I think it was Arizona U mm. and, um, the band canceled on them, so they, the promoter called. So I got one that'll, that'll show up. And he said, well, you know, what are they playing? He kind of explained. He said, their name is No Doubt. He said, well, we don't want them. <laughs> and he said, well, you got them because uh, that's only way we can book the gig. And he said, okay, we'll take them. So little did he know he's getting Gwen Stefani. That's amazing. That's totally amazing. I mean, there's always these great stories because you feel like you've stumbled upon somebody, somebody so interesting. 
you know, and that's what's so cool. Again, it's like how you discover music and you discover live venues. It's it's a, it's an absolute blast. I mean, it's funny because my dad saw Barbara Streisand on in the in Greenwich Village singing in 1960 before she ever was on Broadway. So she was she hadn't done I Can Get It For You Wholesale. She hadn't done Funny Girl. And he said that they that the, the place was silent. No one could believe that voice. He said it was just the most amazing experience because this like 17 year old kid from Brooklyn is belting at you. And it was phenomenal. You mentioned the Staples singers, Mavis Staples. I remember as a kid, uh, I got an album uh, called Be What You Are. And it was a white album with uh, four Staples singers on the cover. And it's the first time I've heard um, uh, Touch a Hand, Make a Friend, I think. Mm. And if you're ready, come go with me. And I fell in love with the Staples singers at that moment. Gosh, that album's a long time ago. In the early 70s, it came out. But I remember getting that album and going, wow, these they're really good. And to this day, Jill, unfortunately, I'm very jealous because I've never seen the Staples Singers. Uh, well, I never you had a see, chance. Well, Mavis is still in concert, you know. Yeah. She's still, she'll, she's, she might, you might run across her someday, you know. So what's the concert you, besides Mavis, what are concerts where you're like, oh, I wish I'd seen that person? Well, I've said it before, uh, Led Zeppelin. I never yeah, saw of course. I, I wish I had. They were here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Jack Larson was on the show. He runs the XL now, but he he books a lot of the acts. And at some time in the, I think he said it was the 80s, I believe, that they played one night at Met Center where the Twins play, or the Met Stadium where the Twins played, and the next night in St. Paul at the Civic Center. So they played two sold-out shows in two different venues. And uh, it was kind of crazy. Apparently, the crowd was trying to get in so uh, bad they had to fire a little tear gas or something. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, who did that? But anyway, <laughs> so, I, yeah, I really wish I'd seen them. I saw the um, Kennedy Center. No, what is it? Is it Kennedy Center Honors or Lincoln mm-hmm. Center Honors? Kennedy Center? Anyway, when President Obama was in the president and they did a tribute to um, uh, Led Zeppelin that night and Hart did Stairway to Heaven. And if you Ugh. get a chance, Jill, YouTube that. But mm. well, I don't know if you're a Led Zeppelin fan. I am. I am. It's on many a playlist of mine. I'm doing a 275 bike ride, uh, mile bike ride oh, for charity. Right. And it's on, it is absolutely on the playlist of like things I listen to to like get me pumped up. Uh, so when are you doing the bike ride? September. I just did 30 miles this morning. So, you know, my tushy hurts a little bit, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm all good. I'm getting ready. I'm thinking about the concerts that I now want to see. You know what else I saw? You know what else I saw who was phenomenal? Um, you too. Ooh, that was a good concert. Yeah, they're entertainers, aren't they? Yeah. I never saw Prince, and I bet you saw Prince about a million times. Well, uh, I didn't. And I and um, I think because you had such access here, you're always going to see him or run into him. Or uh, One of his bodyguards was, uh, was a very good friend, still is. And I remember being with him the day shortly, well, I think it was the next day or the couple of days after Prince had passed, and we sat mm-hmm. down. He was working next door to me, so I'd get off the air about 9 or 10, and I sat down, and we just he just started firing away stories about Prince. And one of the really cool things about Prince was that he loved around the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. He'd go to shows, but he didn't want anyone to know he was there because he didn't want to interfere with the act. But he'd be at these shows at a place here down the street called Bunkers, over at the Dakota Jazz Club. Uh, then um, the great story, and we had the security guy on, my buddy Tim, who told the story of Prince wanted to go see Michael Jackson at the Bad Concert. I think this was about 84. He was here for, I think, three nights. Mm-hmm. And Prince wanted to see him, but didn't want anybody else to know he was there because he didn't want to you know, detract from Michael's show, obviously. Uh-huh. So anyway, my buddy... Told a story here that he wheeled Prince in in a roadie cable box to the <laughs> soundboard. And when the lights went down, they took the cover off. Prince popped out, put sunglasses on, had aviators, he said, and watched the show from the soundboard. Well, the house lights came up toward the end. And we've had a couple of people cooperate the story. I didn't know it. And suddenly he recognized Prince, and they all started looking at and cheering for him. And he waved and said, time to get out of here. Oh my so gosh, did. that is amazing! Yeah. So it was so oh cool. Oh my just, gosh, he, he loved this community, and he he just loved going to shows. And and people probably didn't even know they had Prince sitting out there in the audience. But I I'll tell you another story about that some other time when I see you. I mean, you got to come to New York. We'll go to a concert together. You know, I wish 
uh, when I was there a, a number of years ago, I guess, Les Paul, I found out when he was alive, did a show like every Monday at some little club there. Hmm. Um, so there's got to, like you said, there's got to be a thousand places around the city where you just talent's got to more. I mean, I guess that they do, but I don't know. It's hard. It's harder and harder to find. It's just so expensive to put these shows on. So, I mean, it used to be that you could just kind of run around to college campuses and do it. Hey, before you go now, I want to, I want you to think about this. I'll give you a second to think about it. If you were going to book a show, one band, three bands, five bands, whatever, or, or solo acts, I want you to think about who you'd book here in just a second, okay? In okay. the meantime, I want to thank the folks of Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for all of us, because we all hear about reducing carbon emissions. It's good for everybody, right? But how in the heck do we do that? Because we've got a lot of increasing energy needs in this world. Well, propane is an excellent way to reduce emissions, and yet it meets energy needs of today. It's clean. It's non-toxic. It's an energy source that reduces carbon emissions right now. In fact, uh, to back that up, propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is only 80. Keep that in mind because great electricity in Minnesota, including wind and solar, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. So you probably didn't know that using propane was that much cleaner than electricity. And know that there's an abundance of propane. And the growth of renewable propane means it can be used for generations to come. So right now, there's millions of Americans out there relying on propane, whether it be heating a home, a business, uh, fueling a vehicle. I mentioned before, I got a friend who drives a truck fueled by propane. Maybe it's off-road vehicles, much more anyway. It does make propane the right energy right now. What I would say is find out more about this. You're going, I didn't know that. Go to propane.com and learn more about what you can do for your, uh, yourself and for our environment. Jill Schlesinger, you see her on CBS TV, you hear her on her podcast, Jill on Money. You may read her blog, but go to her website for sure and learn more about her. She's an author, book number two coming out. She's doing a nice ride here for charity soon. Jill, if you had to book a concert now, you're responsible. Who are you going to pick? Do I have to pick people who are alive? No, no. <laughs> I no. just wanted to make sure no. I had that thing. No. Okay. Um, I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan. Oh, and yeah. so if you saw Anthony Mason's story about her um, at the Newport Folk Festival, I would pick Joni Mitchell in her prime. I would have loved to have heard that. So, you know, she's had, um, she had a stroke and, you know, very courageous recovery that she's had. But man, I would have loved to have her be there. Um, I think that um, just for fun, the Fleetwood Mac of, you know, the, the original five there. Yeah. That's who you saw when you saw them. They were, everybody's in a band, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, I think that it would be, I mean, can I, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat. Like it would be totally great if I could have like Carol King and James Taylor just as part of, and then one like kick, but um, real rock and roll. And it may be like having, um, I was going to say Led Zeppelin, but it doesn't mix. So let me do a better one that could actually mix with that. Uh, Steely Dan at um, like as, so this is a more mellow night. So those are my five. Those are my Steely Dan, like the old, uh, you know, 1985 version of Steely Dan, not the ones that were, right? So um, those like my mellow, like, mellow back to the seventies. Um, anyone who's listening is like, who has serious XM is like, Oh, you, so you just listen to the bridge constantly. I do. <laughs> well, I have that on in my, you know, who I really like, I like this Christine stone on, um, classic rewind. Oh yeah. I like classic rewind. I like that whole thing. Like those are, those are my people for sure. But I mean, I could do a hard, I could do a much harder rock. I would, I mean, I saw Nirvana when they were just like, just, just, playing oh, and they really? were a little they were a little rough so i would like to see like the the year later version of them when they got their their acts together and they weren't like so but you know before everything fell apart but um they were fantastic i saw them in providence rhode island i saw earth wind and fire in the garden oh my god they're it's so such good. a good time they're so good and i saw luther vandross at the worcester Centrum oh in massachusetts and um yeah i i mean i have a very weird catalog of musical taste and there'll never be another Barbara. I don't have to have her again. <laughs> you know, you may, now you made me think of another band that I saw that I, uh, I didn't know what to expect. And I walked out of going, I'd go see them again in a minute. George Clinton and Parliament oh, really? Funkadelic. You're kidding. Oh, That's awesome. It was just so, it was entertaining. I mean, that's, that's the bottom great. line. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. When you go to a concert, it's like, you know, Bruce Springsteen doesn't have the greatest voice in the world, but boy, is he an entertainer for sure. Brandy Carlisle was in town here not too long ago, and I believe, if I remember right, she paid tribute to Joni Mitchell. Yes. In fact, she has done concerts where she played the entire album Blue in concert. I didn't know that. Isn't that kind of cool? I have I a friend her. who asked Bonnie Raitt to dance. She was, uh, before she Bonnie Raitt was really, you know, kind of Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. She was at a uh, Seven Corners here in the, over by the University of Minnesota and there's a number of bars and she I think she might have been singing at one or she was over there having a drink and my, my buddy went up and asked her if there's any chance she would dance and she said, no, no, there isn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, my, I have a, 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 my only tiny bit of like potential that I could have ever known Bonnie Raitt is that uh, she grew up around the corner from my father. She's younger than my father, mm. but um, her father was the great John Raitt, the Broadway musical theater man. And uh, so he was like in the pajama game, the original cast of the pajama game. It was funny. I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast interviewing Bonnie Raitt and he had no idea who John Raitt was. I was like, Dude, come on. Do a little research. Just a tiny bit. Just a little bit. Gosh. I would have loved to have seen Prince. Man. Yeah, I blew that one more than once. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, because you and I, well, uh, you and I have chatted before, but uh, the, our wake-up calls are early. Mine was uh, 2.45 for 30 years mm. in the morning. And I did have a chance one night to go to one of his late-night things over at Paisley Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend said, well, you know, he's said he could probably come out at 10 or 11. Well, I knew it wouldn't be till two or three. Right. And I said, geez, I, you know, I hemmed and hawed and, and I did, I never went. And I thought I could go there and just go right in and do the show, but I, I didn't do it. So that was really stupid on my part, but it's not the first stupid thing I've done. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting over it. Well, there's that. Um, what's your view on say like Genesis, like early eighties Genesis when Phil Collins is the drummer? I like some of it. Not too much. Not a big fan. I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was not. I mean, I wasn't a big knucklehead. Put it that way. Did mm-hmm. I like them? Yeah, I will listen to them. But there's some that I'll that I won't listen to. Okay. Was that one of your bands? No, I I went. That was one of those bands where I went to that concert and I was like, wow, this was amazing, and it was uh, surprisingly amazing. Was Peter Gabriel there for that one? Yes. Oh cool. boy, that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. It was just amazing, like, to have that. I guess I would have liked to have seen, like, the OG Grateful Dead also, just for the experience, you know? Well, last week on the podcast, we had our friend Susie Jones, who's a broadcaster. Susie, I love Susie. You know, so she talked about going with uh, this boy years ago to see the Grateful Dead, and when they came out, she looked at the, she says, who's the old guy up there? <laughs> and I, I think their date ended shortly thereafter, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, brother. You know what the best concert I've ever seen is, though? The best? What? What? ACDC. Really? Oh, man. Just absolutely. You're a metalhead, dude. I am. Well, I walked into, I've told this on the on the podcast before, I walked into Match Bar here in South Minneapolis one day with the band Skid Row. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, they've sold how many records? And uh, I didn't know right away who they were. I wasn't expecting to see Skid Row getting a Juicy Lucy in South Minneapolis. <laughs> but there they all were. And it was uh, pretty funny. You know, um, the the current sort of uh, the the person I think I would love to see now in concert and um, after listening to her more and I had this moment where I like glimpsed her in the green room before she went on the air and CBS was Lizzo because I think she's also sort of that that genre of like people who have amazing talent and great performers and I would love to see her. And Minneapolis Roots, this is where she kind of this is where she uh, learned her craft. I mean, there's just not a lot of flute anymore out there. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, she mentioned that Minnesota Viking. That got big headlines yeah. here. Uh, they're trying to figure out who that Minnesota Viking was. Yeah, exactly. We want to know. I was over at the zoo the other night, and they had it was um, uh, they had three stages going for music, and one of them was uh, rap and DJs, and I that's where I was. And uh, the DJ was celebrating his birthday, and I can't think of his name now. He worked with Lizzo before she kind of went off to national fame. And so we should get him on the show sometime, Bri. I think that'd be fun. What is producer Brian like? Is she very young? She seems very young. Oh, bless your heart. Uh, I'm probably, I guess, right in the heart, millennial 
was born uh-huh. in 1990, but I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. So you everything are? you're saying is gospel to me. And you're I, excited. Yeah, I was super excited about it. And I, the one time that I did get to see them in concert was when Christine McVie was with them yeah. again mm-hmm. on tour. I she's think it was, so good. Yeah, she's and, and so good. Usually she wouldn't be. So I think this was like 2013 Pretty or shy, something. They say, yeah. yeah, and Fear of Flying, I think she had. And I, I understand that. So it, it was a very, very cool experience to see them all Tell together. Tell Jill where, where, where I'm taking you here in a, about a week. And exactly. So then we're going to go see local uh, singer Pamela McNeil at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater for her Rumors and Dreams Fleetwood Mac cover show. Wow. Yeah, we're that's very, awesome. Very excited for that. So, oh, that's yeah. great. That's so, great. Yeah. I love that that was your experience. And I completely agree with what you're saying about the longevity and the musicianship. And it's just what an amazing band. I love I them know. so much. And I, I don't think they get the credit that they deserve more so kind of the salacious aspect. I think people kind of focus on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I agree. And, and, and of course also that Stevie Nicks is a looney tune. I mean, no, but the high, high, genius, right? Right. Yeah. Like high looney tune. She's twirling around like a goddamn witch on the stage and you're like, geez, she is, there's no doubt there were some plenty of drugs to go around there, yeah. but they were all very, very, talented and that was that was so cool to see so um now as we uh can i just mention yes when on mtv we used to uh my brother-in-law used to have to get our stevie nicks fix once a day he always (laughs) called it the stevie nicks fix i like that yeah now do you find your your musical habits do you do you have a harder time exploring new music because you have this catalog that you go back to or are you are you open to new stuff too you know, I try to be open to new stuff. So, yeah, I, I make an effort. I think you're more than most people. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so funny because I'm a huge Peloton fan. And so I think one of the benefits for me is that actually I listen, I hear more new music because I don't listen to the radio enough anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm on, I'm on radio, but I'm mostly on AM stations. And so since I, get a I lot retired, of- I know you quit listening. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I, I said there will be no more radio without Dave Lee. I had to move my head. I have everything changed since you left. I have a new time. You know, I got I got to break in the new uh, host. It's been very difficult for me. I'm only kidding. I love her. The AirPods, they have changed the dynamics. So haven't they? Just put your workout, put them in and away you go. Yeah. And like, you can just like be in the mood for something and be like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stream that. Um, I did have one, one funny experience, which is, you know, I was a person who would cling to the music that I owned. Like I had CDs for a very, very, very long time and they were loaded into a hard drive that I had of my, my, an old Mac. So when I finally got a new computer, um, I was so freaked out that, uh, I would say 80% of my music disappeared in the, in the move over. Mm-hmm. And this is the only time in my life I cried on the phone to tech support. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, <laughs> literally was like, but I need my music. Where is it? It's therapy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Even when we talk about first concert, it just makes you feel good. You start thinking back to that time and, and maybe the car your dad drove and all yeah. those sort of things. So, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you the car my dad drove. You ready? Yeah. 1974 Toyota Celica stick shift uh, brown, which was a big color of the 70s. Was that that fancy Celica? That no, was, oh. no, it was before that. It was like the first <laughs> so iteration. And I only know that because that was the car I drove when I got my license. <laughs> and my father insisted that both of his daughters knew how to drive a stick and could change a tire and knew how to do like rudimentary things that I don't even know how to do anymore. And, um, and that was my car. And there was, and the big, big upgrade I made after he gave it to me. So it was a seven-year-old car and he gave it to me for when I turned 16 was that he said, I said, well, no one uses eight tracks anymore, daddy. (laughs) And he says, well, you better pay to get your cassette thing or whatever you're going to put in there. So I did. I had to pay to get a, a cassette replacement. I had a big, huge collection. It was, we were probably very irresponsible in many ways. I'm driving a stick and turning cassette tapes over. Yeah, that's not a good combo. That doesn't sound like right. You need a third hand, really, to get that done. 
Did you sink in the seats then when he'd drive around with your friends and you're in the Celica and you, did you sink down like so no one would see you or that didn't bother you? No, because everyone loved my father. Well, I nice. had the cool father. I had the guy that everybody, like my father, they would, say, they would say, oh, you know, Mr. Schlesinger. And he'd say, oh, Mr. Schlesinger lives in Florida talking about his own father because <laughs> you call me Albie. Because my father's name was Albert and he's known as Albie. So everybody called him Albie. Even like nobody called people like parents by their first names except my father. He's a very cool dude. When you're doing your TV hits, do you ever bump into any celebs? I mean, uh, oh, musicians? Oh, come on. I stalk people. <laughs> I stalk people. in the. You don't know about my Oprah stalking thing? No. It was crazy. No. I have a great picture of what me and happened? Oprah in the... Well, I didn't really stalk her. I just knew she, you know, she, when we were in, we were in the broadcast center, you've been to the broadcast center, right? On 57th street. Between yeah. 10th well, and 11th, I did the right? show there for a couple of times, but that was, uh, that was a long time ago. So we used to do the morning show from the broadcast center mm-hmm. um, until just about a year and a half ago. And um, so when I would be in the broadcast center and I would, you know, when I'm, when I was on the show, uh, I might run into various people. You know, of course I got very excited when I met Ben Bernanke, the former federal reserve chair, which well, is yeah. probably not, not anyone else cares about, but I was very excited. That'd be like your, that'd be like your, um, I'm trying to think of the guy from the Partridge family. Oh yeah, Totally. David Absolutely. Cassidy. That'd be yeah, your that's David, my David Cassidy, Cassidy, Ben Bernanke. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, uh, but so um, it's a very convoluted building. So if anyone can think about it, it's a square block of New York City. Uh, it's 57th between 10th and 11th. It was an old dairy. It was like the train would come in. They hmm. were, it was loaded with um, carts and they have very narrow hallways because they would basically bring milk products in and ship them out from there and then convert it into a broadcast center. So it's a very odd building and there's little jigs and jags throughout the building. And I walked through a jig and jag and I knew she was going to be on the show, but she was walking towards me. And I think I gasped. I I was sort of like a little bit like, (laughs) and she goes, and she looks at me, get this, wait a second. She says, hi, Jill. I'm like, I, I said out loud, how do you know my name? <laughs> she goes, cause you're on the show. You're on the show all the time. <laughs> so then um, maybe like six months later, she was back on and we were on and I was on the show and I came off the air and I sat down in the green room and she was there. She, she says to me, she puts her hand on my back. She goes, I love this dress. Wow. I thought, I said, I would, and I said, she goes, oh, it has such nice texture. I said, Oprah Winfrey, keep touching me as long as you feel comfortable (laughs) doing so. And I will tell you that that is the most, she has an aura about her. I I don't care if you like her or dislike her. I'm telling you, this woman has an aura, a star presence that is palpable. It's unbelievable to, to feel that. And that's the biggest, like, not the biggest, you know, the musicians, they're always in and out Mm -hmm. and they're doing stuff. You know, there are certain people I could care less about that I should know more about, but I don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, then there's Ben Bernanke and, you know, there are (laughs) a few of those. I like, I find it interesting to meet some of the politicians because these Mm -hmm. hardcore people, left, right, middle, doesn't matter. um, When you meet them in a green room, they're so different. They're just like regular people. And, but they, you know, they, they don't speak in the same way. they sort of lose the drama and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, yeah, how you doing? I said to Paul Ryan, gosh, you're tall. <laughs> and <laughs> That's he, said, thing yeah, I, you're he right. said, you are too. And that was it. That was our, that was our shared <laughs> humanity right there. <laughs> well, we're, we'll, we'll have, we have some politicians targeted to be on, but we're going to wait till after the elections. I think that's a fine idea. Yeah, thank you I very think much. That's a fine idea. What's, what's the, um, do we have any like, um, you have like, there's some, must be some classical music fans. Cause there are some people who I think are really touched by seeing opera or, you know, I don't know, maybe that's, I just, I know that like my aunt and uncle are in town. They just got back from Europe. All they did was go see opera and classical music for like two weeks and they were freaking out. It was like they were seeing, you know, the dead resurrected. <laughs> well, that, to go to Europe and do it too in some of those halls. Yeah. Can you imagine? I know. It's amazing. Well, um, and we didn't even mention Bob Seger. I forgot one of my all-time faves. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Love Bob Seger. You're really Seger. like, you're sunk into uh, classic rewind, aren't you? Yeah. You really are. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. On my headphones, yeah. I listen to a lot of Walter Trout. Do you ever hear him? If I Because he's got some up-tempo stuff that I really like. What about Groove? Is that a station that you're into or not? I have like it. I have it on my settings. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. See? 
we got it. So I just also discovered um, on on settings a few other ones. There's like a YouTube channel, which I love. And then there's one above YouTube that's like new agey. I think they call it Next Wave. I kind of like that. That's a little bit of 80s college stuff for me. Yeah. See, good memory maker. Well, maybe not all the memories are great, but they're they're memorable, right? Well, put it this way. It's like, oh, I sort of remember that, which is a whole nother show. <laughs> hey, Brianne, uh, what, what are you listening to most of the time now? You're all over the map, too. I'm all over the map. I like my classics. Um, you know, Paul Simon is one of my favorite absolute standards. Yep. Nice boy from New York. I know. That's a, that's what I've been told. But um, uh, actually, my favorite band is the 1975. They're kind of really yep. doing really well for themselves. And I'm glad they're kind of getting their due because, you know, they a little gimmicky, you could say. But, oh, my gosh, their music is so good. So that's I'm very excited about that. Listen, Brianne and, and Dave, can I get a decent bagel if I come to Minneapolis to promote my book? I actually can. I, I had the best bagel I've ever had at a place in Colorado because they guess what Impossible. they do. Guess what they do? Bring in New York water to make it. Oh, my God. And that's it, was, it was amazing. I was just talking to a woman on my show and she lives in California, but she is a New Yorker. You could tell she's been in California for 30 years. She says you can get a good bagel outside of New York, but what you can't get is a good New York slice outside of New York. You can't get a great New York slice of pizza. I'd agree with that. Yeah, well, you'll have to come back to New York and and, uh, see if that's true again. It's been too long. Bring producer Brienne. Thank you. I'll be happy to bring her. We'll see how she reacts after this concert first. And if she says, I don't even come close to me after that, I don't know. But I think she's going to love it. I think she's going to love, love, love it. And Pam Pam McNeil has been on the show, was a backup singer. Here's one for you, Jill, for Rick Astley back in the 80s. Oh, yeah, never going to give you up. Yep, that, that was her in the background doing the vocals for him. Can I tell you, that's the guy who like we hear this song. He just, These are two people where, you know, we completely misread who these people were. It was him and Lisa Stansfield. Lisa and we Stansfield. Thought these were like, Good remember that? Track. Think yes. about Yeah, go, go back there. And they're like, they don't look like they sound. It was phenomenal. Like it was just gobsmacking when you saw that guy. Because he's kind of like a nerdy looking guy, right? He's like a nerdy looking British dude. And he has this huge booming voice. I liked him. Yeah, I, I liked him. I, I think we liked MTV, didn't we? You know what? I was, I, I don't know. I feel like I may have not watched a lot of MTV because of just where I was in my life. So it, it's funny that it, I don't really like, it doesn't, that does not like connect to music to me. We were, I think I was in a different phase. It's like my girlfriend says to me, she goes, well, you know, I never watched Friends first run. I'm like, how could you not have watched Friends? No, I didn't either. I'm with your girlfriend. And she's like, I was working. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. Wacky hours. Yeah, exactly. you know the business. Jill, uh-huh. I will, I, I'll let you go. It's great hearing you again. Congrats on all the things that you're doing. Uh, JillOnMoney.com is where I go just to learn more about her and then the new book she's writing. But she, you probably, you've probably seen her on CBS TV a million times as well. And then next time you're on, we're going to talk hockey. You betcha. I'm going to just keep talking music. You know, I am so delighted to talk to you again. I would talk to you about anything, Dave. Well, and nice to meet you, Brianna. It's very so nice. nice to meet you. Yeah. So great. Um, let me know if you uh, need any uh, New York hookups when you come into town. We're gonna we're going to make sure that we hang out together. And uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe you want to go see like Colbert or something. I think whatever you do or say is what I'll do. You'll be like my Oprah. What? You know my name, you hum. Whatever you... Oh, my God. You're you're a superstar. Thank you so much for having me. She is Jill Schlesinger. Go to JillOnMoney.com and learn more. Our thanks as well to Propane, the environmentally friendly energy for everyone, and by StarBank.net. Uh, ten locations right here in Minnesota. Go make sure you see them. Uh, member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. She's Jill Schlesinger. Brianne, always great to see you again, and I will uh, see you next week on the podcast. <laughs>